Hello and welcome to the Hot Rod Bible Study where tonight we will be going through an entire book of the Bible in one sitting. You might ask why that is. Well, unlike the book of Job with 42 chapters and over a thousand verses, the book of Second John is only one chapter with 13 verses. As a matter of fact, next week with Third uh, John, same thing. One chapter, not many verses. Week after that, Jude. One chapter, not many verses. But hold on, right after that, we'll be diving into the book of Revelation, and I hope that you can join us with that. So tonight, though, what I'd like for you to do is get your handy-dandy bookmark in place and turn with me to Psalm 138, where it says, I will praise you with my whole heart. Before the gods, I will sing praises to you. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me hold with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. Yes, they will sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly. But the proud he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Let's stop right there and pray. Heavenly Father, again, we come before you thanking you for this word that you have given us tonight. Again, I pray that you open our hearts and our minds to your word. I pray that you send your Holy Spirit upon me so that everything I say here tonight is pleasing in your sight. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, back to the handy-dandy bookmark. And here we are at Second John where it says, The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, not only I, but also all those who have known the truth, because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in the truth as we receive commandment from the Father. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. 
This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things which we work for, but that we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Having many things to write to you, I did not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face, that our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. All right. Again, only 13 verses, but there's plenty here. Begins by saying, the elder. Now, in the Greek, the word is presbyter, sort of like priest or pastor. Another thing you could look at here is scholars have figured that John is in his 90s by this time. So I guess you could probably figure he was an elder. And he writes to the elect lady and her children whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also those who have known the truth. Elect lady, that's, uh, they figure to be a well-known Christian woman who opened her home to a church, the house church. And children, it happens to be those who are attending this house church. Now, you might be wondering why John didn't identify himself as John, and did not identify who the people are in this church. Because we have all these um, different uh, letters written to churches, such as Corinthians, Ephesians, Galatians, Philippians, Thessalonians, Colossians. More of these different letters that were, were written specifically to the churches in these areas, mostly by the Apostle Paul, and he identifies himself as Paul. Right, and he's writing these things to these different letters, I mean, these different uh, areas, different churches. Well, when John was writing this, figure somewhere between ninety and one hundred A.D., Christians were being persecuted, and I don't mean just being put in faceplant jail; they were being uh, beheaded and crucified. I mean. Uh, for their faith, and I mean uh, violently persecuted. Same thing goes on today. Uh, when we pray for missionaries overseas, there are times when we leave out the names of those missionaries and also leave out the names of the places where they are. Because like in John's time, well, during this letter was written, boy, I'll tell you what, uh, there are people over in different areas across the big lake that uh, that can be beheaded as they were. Now we we've seen we've all seen the photograph. All those Christians lined up with the ISIS guys that beheaded them. Hey, it's what it is. So this is the reason why John more than likely didn't identify himself or the church that he was writing this letter to. That God had him write this letter to. Okay, 
says, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also those who have known the truth, because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Okay. Known the truth. Uh, author Frank Peretti was on a radio program one time. A gal asked him, well, how do I know that what you say is the truth? And Frank said he had a great reply for about two weeks later. And he came up with this. And I think this is great. He says, I can't tell you how you know what the truth is unless there is a truth to be known. Hmm. Think about that. You know, at least this day of moral relativism, where all well, that may be true but it, for you, but it isn't true for me, and a bunch of baloney. There is a truth, namely Jesus Christ. Bingo. That's it. There is the truth. And that's what John is referring to here, is that we have known the truth because the truth which abides in us will be with us forever. Now here's something else. Uh, you may not be, and I may not be, compatible with all the rest of Christians around the world. For instance, okay, uh, there are different social uh, areas. I, I'm not compatible socially with someone who uh, may be into polo. Well, they're not compatible socially with me who is a car guy. How about education-wise? There are those who uh, have gone on to advance their education where I, as a child, uh, hated every minute of going to school, lucky to get out of, out of high school. Actually, I was blessed. I was blessed to have some smart parents that recognize that it's not just going to school where you get an education, but learning to read and doing these different things. Nevertheless, I could place my myself, who again, uh, str didn't struggle to get out of high school, but didn't want to be there, so I didn't put a lot of work in it, with my older brother, who happens to be a math teacher, who when he took calculus, fell in love with mathematics, and has calculus problems that are that are published. We may not be able to get along intellectually in this, this area, or... Possibly socially, he's not a car guy, but we get along as brothers in the Lord. I have a lot of friends of mine who are brothers and sisters in the Lord that I get along with. Great. Do we have the same social economic status? No. Do we have the same um, um, interests? No. Except for the truth which abides in us and will be forever. Hmm. Now, how about that? We already got through two verses. Verse 3. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God the Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. Remember, John is making the point that Jesus is God incarnate. He's been making made the point in 1 John. Now he's making it again in 2 John. He's making the point that Jesus is God incarnate, okay? 
grace and mercy. Boy, I like that. That's New Testament stuff. Grace means we don't, grace means we get what we don't deserve. It's down to that when people ask you how you're doing, you say, better than I deserve. Okay. Grace is salvation through Jesus Christ, which we don't deserve. We didn't earn it. And mercy is not getting what we deserve. Actually, if you look to see from uh, all of us, the sin that we have convicts us that quite honestly, if it wasn't for Jesus, we'll be rotten in hell. So there's that, grace and mercy and peace, okay? The Old Testament deal, shalom. But think about this. It says, in truth and love, without truth and love, we cannot have grace, mercy, and peace. Think about that. Remember, John, i got to keep going over this. John was one of the sons of thunder, and now he is the apostle of love. So there it is, without truth, Jesus Christ, and love, we cannot truly have grace, mercy, and peace. Verse 4, I rejoice greatly when I found that some of your children, found some of your children walking in truth. Walking in truth. Not just taking the first step. When you give your heart to Jesus, when you admit that you are a sinner and you ask Jesus to be your Savior, that's a great step. You are saved. No question about it. But there's more. Because I have found this. As a youngster, I knew Jesus is my Savior. Didn't follow Him as my Lord. Now though I follow Him as my Lord, life is more complete. Uh, your change shouldn't be just life-saving, but life-changing as well. So that's what John is referring to here, is that they're walking in the truth. Not just accepting the truth, but walking in the truth as we receive the commandment of the Father. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment. This is not a new subject for John. You've been with us. You recognize that's the case. Not a new commandment to you, but that which we have heard from the beginning, that we do what? Love one another. There it is. This is love. That we walk, there's that walk, and not just sitting there, according to His commandments. This is the commandment that, as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. Walk in it, not just bask in it. Oh, because isn't that, isn't that wonderful? When you, when you recognize what Jesus did for you, you can bask in the moment and say, Wow, God loved me so much that he sent his only son to die for me. Wow. But then what do you do? Well, then you walk in his ways. And it's in love because he loved us first. Wow. Verse 7, For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus as coming in the flesh. Still goes on today. We've had this discussion. 
There are people who will knock on your door, who deny Jesus as God, deny Jesus as the Son of God, who is God, hmm, who there are those who say that Jesus is the spirit brother of Satan. Baloney. These are, as it says here, a deceiver. This is a deceiver and a what? An antichrist. What is an antichrist? That is someone who is against Christ or something that opposes Christ or replaces Christ. Okay? Uh, just as antifreeze keeps your engine from freezing, theoretically at least, uh, somebody who is an antichrist will keep you from Christ, knowing the true Jesus Christ. Mm. Okay, verse 8, look to yourselves that we do not lose these those things which we work for, that we might receive a full reward. Things we work for. Boy, it sounds like you're talking about works-based religion here, Willie. No. No, the deal is, think about John and the other apostles, along with many people who have uh, come since that time, who dedicated their lives to sharing the gospel. It's kind of, and, and they don't, he doesn't want it, his life's work, right, to be for naught. It's, it's kind of like if you, and I had this happen, so it's an illustration I'm familiar with, spent all this time wiring a vehicle, doing everything nicely, everything just top notch, and then have somebody paint over it. <laughs> it's kind of like, <laughs> what, are you kidding me? Well, that's the same thing. Spend all this time sharing the gospel and have all these people that all of a sudden turn your back. Hey, that's tough. That's why John is saying, do not lose these things we work for, but that we may receive a full reward. What is the full reward? Matthew 5, verse 12. There it is. It says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great, here it is, great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And he's talking about, this is, this comes from the Beatitudes, Sermon on the Mount, where, hey man, if it's tough, guess what? They persecuted the prophets before you as well. But great is that reward. Verse 9. Whoever transgresses, which means going beyond the boundaries, does not abide in the doctrine of Christ and, pardon me, transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ, does not have God. Hmm. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. Marshall puts it this way. To say no to God's way of revealing himself is to say no to God himself. For he will not let himself be known by men except on his own terms. Mm. Verse 10. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Show them no hospitality 
so as not to share in their heresy. That seems kind of weird. You know, aren't we supposed to take in strangers and all? Well, I got a mess of stuff from the smart guys here that I want to show share with you. Here it is. These words sound severe, but John has not lost his love. We must consider three points. John is not talking about all error, but only error that masquerades as true Christianity. Think about that. Again, those guys knocking at your door. John is not talking about all who hold the error which masquerades as true Christianity, but about those who teach those errors which masquerade as true Christianity. You dig? John is not talking about all teachers who err, but those who err in the most fundamental truths and those who are active in spreading those fundamental errors. Again, most of the letters in the New Testament are written to different churches, different various churches, written to us as well, okay, to combat heresy, to combat false teachers. Now, Stott puts it this way, Perhaps, therefore, it is not private hospitality which God is forbidding so much as an official welcome into the congregation. Hmm, that's something to think of. With the opportunity, this would afford the false teacher to propagate his errors. Ha, this is making sense. Here's some more. In the late 19th century, the rise of theological liberalism brought forth generations of Christian pastors, leaders, and theologians who denied many of the fundamentals of biblical Christianity. Hmm, sounds like false teachers, doesn't it? Though it was a broad and varied movement, at its root, theological liberalism thought that Christianity had to reevaluate all its doctrines in light of modern science, philosophy, and thinking, modern thinkers, right? Uh, They rejected the idea that a doctrine was true simply because the Bible taught it. Also, had it also had to be proved by reason and experience. And we'll get back to that in a minute. Reason and experience. They believe that the Bible was not, and here is the issue, an inspired message from a real God. Notice that, from a real God. Huh. Not an inspired message from a real God. We recognize the Bible as inspired message of the one true God. Remember, all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed. 2 Timothy 3.16. Okay, now, go on. It says, it's not an inspired message from a real God, but the work of men who are limited by, here it is, ignorance and superstitions of their time. For then the Bible is not either inspired or supernatural. The importance of the Bible and its message was not in its literal or historical truth, but in its changing spiritual message. Spiritual message. Okay. Going back to reason and experience. There's a guy 
mathematician and Christian apologist by the name of John Lennox, who I was blessed to just see on television this past week. Isn't that fun? <laughs> I love it when God just by coincidence, has me watch this program that has this guy on here. Anyway, this guy loves the Lord, and he loves how he can show through science and math who God is, okay, how it, how it um, uh, makes, how it shows that the Bible truly is inspired word of God. This guy debated People such as Stephen Hawking and Christopher Hitchens. You know, this guy was this guy was one of those smart guys that uh, <laughs> that didn't just cut class in school like Willie did. Anyway, these are the things going on, not only in John's time, but in our time today as well. All right. John's farewell greeting is heading here. It says, having many things to write to you, I did not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. Uh, more than likely the reason for only 13 verses. He had a lot more he wanted to say, and he wanted to say it eyeball to eyeball. Uh, I was unable to find out whether he in fact did do this again, uh, this church uh, was not uh, identified like the churches in Ephesus and, and Colossae and Corinth and Galatia. Okay, And here he finishes up saying, The children of your elect sister greet you. Another congregation. Children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. Good place to stop, don't you think? You know, uh, this is this is a short book, but it truly is a continuation on First John. Because what is John telling you? Don't put up with the false teachers, and show that you are a Christian by your love. Questions, comments, or smart aleck remarks? Again, I don't see any here. But, again, if you have any questions, comments, or smart aleck remarks, be sure to get in contact with me. Because I think you know my heart. It is my desire that everyone within the sound of my voice know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Because I'd like to see each and every one of you in heaven with me. And with that, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.